Well, good morning once again. Give me just a second here to get this opened up. If you would take the Word of God and turn with us to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 this morning. We want to begin reading in verse 26 of that chapter. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Word of God states, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment... So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Now, Father, as we come before your throne of grace today, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the providence that brought each and every one of us into your house today. I thank you, Father, for each and every person, Lord, that has gathered here, that Lord, that are saved. I pray, Father, that each one that is saved, Lord, is serving you and, Father, lifting you up each and every day. I pray, Father, for those that may be lost or unconcerned in our service, and I ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Help them, Father, to be convicted of sins and to show, Father, the, the truth in their life and show the light, Lord, that it might shine upon them. And then, Father, we thank you once again for this day. We thank you for the rain that we've had this uh, weekend. We thank you for the sunshine. Father, everything that you give us, Lord, we know that we need it at some time or point in our lives, and we praise you for it. And, Father, we just want to lift you up today. These things we ask now in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> Well, I'm sure many of you have been uh, looking at the news here in the last week, haven't you? And how that, <coughs> excuse me, Hamas has uh, came in and uh, began to terrorize Israel and the things that have been going on in Israel. Uh, Israel and the Jewish people are God's chosen people. They are His. Amen. But now, even though that they are his, they still have to accept Jesus Christ the same way that you and I do. Uh, we, they have to uh, trust in him as Savior. They have to believe in him. And that's one of the problems. Uh, over the, all the years, they have not believed and trusted in Jesus Christ. Uh, they have uh, not accepted uh, the truth that Jesus uh, was and is the Messiah. Uh, they did not uh, accept those things that... Uh, history told them nor that prophecy told them and so in lieu of the things that have happened this week and how now that uh, there is a war between these two countries and these fighting peoples uh, I want to share with you some thoughts on prophecy today and some thoughts on the fact of our Lord's return I believe that we need to have the right attitude towards our Lord's return and each and every one of us today we can understand that in the proper way. And I wonder really, do we really actually ever think much about his return? Do we ever really think much about where we are in our world today, at what time we are at in our world today? As we get into the book of Revelation and study the book of Revelation, we find that there are so many things there that talk to us about past days, present days, and future days. And that basically is how the book of Revelation is separated. It's separated into three categories, past, present, and future. And he tells us there all those things that have happened in the past, the things that we're dealing with now. And honestly, when he talks about the seven churches of Asia Minor, they are also church ages or dispensations of time that he speaks of there. And the church of Laodicea, uh, they are one of the last church times or church ages and one of the last churches that he uh, presents to us. And he tells us there that that church is lukewarm, that that church has uh, neither began uh, to be hot nor cold. In other words, they're not on fire for God. Uh, they're not really cold. They're doing some things, but they're not doing really enough. 
And I find that the church in our world today, the church in general, is where the church of Laodicea is. And so we think about ourselves being in that church age or that church time of Laodicea, at least in the beginnings of that church age. And then we think about the church age itself, and we think about what the Lord tells us there, then also what he prophesies to us about in the book of Isaiah, and also in the book of Daniel about his coming and about the second coming, and how that will be to each and every one of us and where we'll be at. And so I think about that a lot. I think about, honestly, every single day when I get up, uh, I do like, I'll mention here in a little while about another preacher, that every morning when I get up, I, I look out the window and I think, you know, is this the day that the Lord's going to come? I go to bed at night and I look out the window and I think about the fact, is this the night that the Lord is going to come? Because we must be aware that the Lord can come back at any moment. And these things that's happening in Israel right now, there on the West Bank on the southern border, uh, those things right now that are happening now are prophetic. These are things that God has told us was going to happen and would continue to happen. And these are signs that the Lord is coming back very, very soon, dear friends. And so as we look at this today, I want to, in introduction this morning, speak to you about the signs, the world signs, the church signs, and the Jewish signs that show to us that the Lord is coming back. Very quickly, and I'm going to mention some scriptures here, and if you have your pen and paper, uh, write those down. If you're in the habit of uh, making notes in your Bible, that's okay too. Uh, just jot those down as we go through this, because we're going to look at the world signs to begin with today. What signs is it in the world today that's showing us that the Lord is coming back very soon? Well, number one, there is an increase of sin and lawlessness and conditions similar to the days of Noah and, and also there with Lot. In 2 Timothy chapter <clears throat> uh, 3 uh, and also verses 1 through 5, he tells us there about that uh, how the world would be when the Lord would come back. In Luke's gospel chapter 17 and verse 26 through 30, he also tells us there. We find in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11, he shares with us there what was going on in that day. And so we see that in our world today, we have what's happening and what he tells us about in Scripture is actually unfolding in front of our eyes right now. That uh, there is lawlessness in our world today. Have you ever seen a time in our world where there was such lawlessness in our world that everybody in our world thought they could do anything and get by with anything and then they turn against the law uh, and do the things against the law that they've done. Now, merited, I believe the law, if you uh, go and you arrest someone, you ought to arrest them in the proper way. Amen? You all agree with that? Uh, I, I don't believe in beating down someone unless they're trying to beat against you and then there is, you're, you're trying to protect yourself and, and take care of yourself as well. And that's perfectly fine, I think, even according to the Word of God. But I do believe this, dear friends, today, that we live in a, in a society and a generation right now where people do not care what they do. They, don't, they do not care who they hurt. They do not care if they hurt the law enforcement. Uh, in fact, they are on their, in their minds and on their thoughts trying to hurt the law enforcement, trying to get them to do something so that they can get back at them and maybe get a bunch of money or become famous like some of these other people, you know. It's as though that our world has forgotten that sin is sin and there is a price and a, and, and a payment that we're going to have to pay for sin. And so there's lawlessness in our world today. And this is coming around back to the same way it was in the days of Noah. So we, we see this increase of this sin, the increase of lawlessness, but we also see this uh, national distress that we're in. Wow. You know, I never believed that I would stand in a pulpit one day and talk about things that were happening in our government and in our United States that are against God that are against the things that God has put forth in this country. Our country is a country and a nation that was built upon God, built upon the foundations and the fundamentals of the Word of God, and yet we are so far away from those fundamentals and those, those understandings today that, that we are so far away from it that we can't even see what it really was like. 
And I believe that this is a distress that our country is going in right now. It's a bad way. And that brings perplexity. In other words, people wonder, well, what is, what, what is the right way? And that's why you have Democrats fighting against Republicans. You have Republicans and Democrats fighting against Libertarians. You have all these different parties and they're pushing for this person and pushing for that person. And then the right person that God wants to get in office can't get in office because nobody in our, in our United States of America, nobody in the states can get on the same page and figure out who that God wants. And you see, it's not really about who people want. It's about who God wants in office. And if we would start listening to what God wants and who God wants in the office of governor or, or local government or state government and national government, if we would listen to God on that, we would be faring a whole lot better today than we are right now. But because the so-called Christians in our world are not listening and not doing what God says, and that is caused by that perplexity that comes down when this great national distress is there. It brings fear. It brings fear to Christians who have stood as Christians all their lives and wonder, okay, what is my life going to be like now if so-and-so goes into office? How much is my taxes going to go up? How much are, is this price going to go up? And, and we have seen the price of everything go up in the last five or six years innumerably, you know. It just keeps going up. Price of gasoline, uh, the price of food itself. Uh, I was talking to someone this week about going to the grocery store and how the price of food has just increased and it just keeps on increasing. What you used to buy for $3 is now $6. It's sad. And we, we just keep on letting it happen. You see, something else happens also when this goes on in the world. There's also famine. There's pestilence. And there's earthquakes. We've been hearing about a lot more earthquakes here recently, haven't we? In the last 10, 15 years. Uh, there's famine in, in our lands. There's famine right now in the United States of America. There are people going to bed every single night starving to death. Because they're so hungry. Pestilence. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but here in the last few weeks, there's been a bunch of, uh, uh, some people down south used to call them pumpkin bugs. We call them stink bugs, you know. Have y'all seen a bunch of those around your house? You know, here in the last few years, there's either stink bugs, there's either centipedes or ladybugs, you know. And they're at great numbers for some reason. Now, I know that God put all those bugs and insects here for a reason, but listen, dear friends, when it becomes more than what you normally see, I believe that's pestilence, and God's letting it happen. So we see the increase of sin. We see national distress. We see famine and pestilence. Uh, that's over, talked about over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. In James, chapter 5 and verse 4, we find that there is uh, labor problems. I was speaking to someone just this morning about labor problems. And I'm not talking about the labor of a child. I'm talking about the labor at work. I mean, have you ever seen a day when we can't get people to work? You know. I mean, you go down the road and people say, well, I need a job. But you go down the road and there's a help wanted sign in every single window. And people go to work and they stand there and they look at you like, I don't care who you are. I don't even know who you are. I'm not supposed to help you, but that is their job. And then they grumble and gripe because they're not making enough money in that. It seems as though everybody wants everything today, but they don't want to do anything for the everything that they want. And I'm not trying to confuse you today. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you here as we get into the fact that we are living in the last days and the coming of our Lord is imminent right now. There's an amazing increase in travel today. Every commercial you see on television, it's about travel. Oh, you can come and get on our cruise lines, and you can jump in our big pool, you know. You can slide down our little swirly slide and feel good about yourself, you know. Who oh, come fly our airline, and you'll be amazed at how well we fly in the skies. <laughs> I know, I should have been a guy on a commercial. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and then we see something else happening in America today. Uh, there are basically two classes financially of people today. You're either poor or you're wealthy. You know? Two classes, really. It used to be where it was poor and 
and those that were on average incomes and then wealthy people. And then you had super wealthy people. But today the super wealthy and the wealthy have been combined together and the poor and the average have been put together and now you have just those two classes of poor and wealthy. And so we see that the wealth of our world today seems to increase. There's an amazing amount of wealth in our world, an amazing amount of wealth in our country in the United States, but where is it at, you know? You say, well, preacher, they talk about that the, uh, our country is in such great need. There's such a great deficit out there. And they say that people don't have any money. But I've been out on the interstate. Here recently, I've been out on the interstate driving back and forth to hospitals and doctors. And I see a bunch of tractor trailers out there on the road. In fact, I see so many tractor trailers out there on the road that it's hard to even drive down the road because of them. So somebody has some money somewhere. Amen. There's a bunch of wealth. These are signs that our Lord is coming back very soon. James chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 talk about the wealth. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 talk about the talk of peace. Here in the last 20, 25 years there's been so much talk about peace in our world. NATO. United Nations, all these, all these groups, America themselves, they've gotten together and they've tried to talk about peace. Let's have peace. Let's have peace. I've said this before from a pulpit, maybe not in this pulpit, but there will never be world peace in this world until everybody receives Jesus Christ. Amen? Because Jesus Christ is the one that brings peace. He's the one that brings the peace that passes all understanding. And without Him there can be no peace. And the problem is, is we are without Him now. It seems as though. And these are the signs that the world brings into us. But now, let's look at the church signs today. What is the sign that the church shows us today that the Lord is coming back? Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, He tells us there about an increase of apostasy. In other words, there are apostates. What is an apostate? An apostate is a person who who acts as though that they believe what you believe, but they come in and then they start telling you that there is a different slant on what you believe. And they'll whisper those things in your ears and they'll whisper it in somebody else's ears. And before long, all of a sudden, the church begins to, to dissect and you have divisions and they begin to break away because everybody's believing something different then. And if the devil can get you to believe something different than believing in Jesus Christ and his love, he has succeeded. So apostasy is in our churches. But there's something else in our churches too that I think honestly today is much worse than that. There's hypocrisy, an empty profession of faith. People come in our churches and they, on Sunday morning, they're Sunday morning Christians. But on Monday morning, they're, they're mon Monday morning people. You know what I mean? They're Christians when they gather in the house of God, but when they're not in the house of God, they're not Christians anymore. They don't act like it. They don't talk like it. They don't look like it. They don't sound like it. They don't smell like it, dear friends. Hypocrisy. An empty profession of faith. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5 tells us that. And then I find something else in our churches of today. And you know, I've been pastoring for many, many years now. I've been preaching since I was 15 and a half years old. I'm 58 years old. And I have seen in my ministry so many churches that are falling away from the truth. So many fundamental churches that are falling away from the fundamentals of the Word of God. And I shouldn't be seeing that. In fact, in my lifetime, I should be seeing an increase in those things. Amen? But in fact, I'm seeing the less. And I see lukewarmness in our church. Just like the Laodicean church that we're neither hot or neither are we cold. I think we need to be on fire for God. Amen? I think we need to be shouting and praising God every single service. We need to be jumping up and down. We need to be running out and trying to lead everybody we come in contact with to the Lord. We need to be growing our church. We need to be growing the church of God. And what we're doing right now is we're not doing that. And, and we're not unlike any others around us because the others are falling into the same boat too. And I don't want us to fall there. 
And I do not want us to fail. I want us to be about the Father's business. Amen. I want to be just like Jesus said to Mary when, when they came back to Jerusalem to get him and they had left him behind. And, and I want to be just like Jesus when he said, I must be about my Father's business. And we must be about the Father's business today, dear friends. We must honor Him. And I believe the church, even inside the church today, we're showing that there are signs that the Lord is coming back very soon. Many people in our churches today scoff at the truth. And that's why we have all these liberal churches today. That's why we have liberal music and, and all these things, this contemporary style that comes into our church because we're scoffing at the truth. The truth is simply the word doctrine in the Word of God. And if we start failing and falling off of the doctrines of the Word of God and not standing on those foundations, then we, dear friends, have missed the mark and we have crumbled our churches then. We've crumbled our power because our power in the church comes from standing on the foundation of the doctrines of the Word of God. Amen. And if we don't have the power of God, then we have something a whole lot less that the devil uses then. Then there are false prophets. There's a great increase in our world today of false prophets. Now do not misunderstand me when I make this statement, but be careful when you watch those televangelists. Be careful because there's false prophets out there, dear friends. And uh, just because you stand up and say uh, a quote that this is my Bible and all this blah, blah stuff that this one fellow I'm talking about does, you have to be careful. But I can tell you what, this is my Bible right here. And I can tell you it's a King James 1611 Bible. I stand on this book. I preach out of this book. I study out of this book. I honor this book. I lift this book up, dear friends. And every one of us ought to be doing the same thing. This is the book for the English-speaking people of America today and the world. We, today, we must understand and we must honor the Word of God. And there are false prophets out there today that are dishonoring the Word of God. They're dishonoring what He tells us. They're dishonoring the doctrines of the Word of God. They're taking things out of the Word of God and then telling you that that's what God says. It cannot be that way. It's not man's opinion that counts. It's God's truth that counts. So we have false prophets in our churches. And not only that, we have much persecution of faithful people. You know, people in our churches today that are so very faithful, sometimes other people in our churches are saying, well, why do you do all that? Why are you doing that for the church? That's not your job. Well, listen, dear friends, I, I want to tell you something. It's everyone's job. It's everyone's responsibility to serve God and to honor God and to lift God up. And when our churches today are getting to the point where we're persecuting each other for the things that we're doing for the Lord, there is something very wrong with that. And, and God tells us here that these things are going to happen, that there's going to be persecution. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 9 and 10. Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 13, verses 9 uh, chapter 9, rather, in verse 13, he tells us that that persecution is going to be there in our church. And then there's something else that's happening right now, which is interesting because the way the world's going right now, but the worldwide evangelism. Uh, years and years and years ago, I used to stand with the Gideons. I was not a Gideon, but I stood with them. I believed what they had to say and, and believed what they put forth. They put forth the Word of God and tried to put the Word of God in students' hands and so forth and so on. And then all of a sudden they quit using King James. And they started going to other, other translations and other versions of the Bible. And those translations and the versions of the Bible, I can prove to you today that they take out the Word of God. They take out the blood sacrifice. They take out the vicarious birth. They take out the virgin birth. They take all these things out, dear friends. And when you take these things away, you take our salvation away. And so I began to pull away from the Gideons. And they would call me and they would say, Preacher, come to our banquets and do this. We've got a great speaker coming this time. Listen, dear friend, I don't care how great an orator you are. If you're not standing and preaching from the King James Bible and preaching the Word of God, I don't care to hear you, friend. Amen. So I quit going to those things. I quit going to them and I quit letting them come into our churches. 
And the reason I quit letting them come into our churches is because, dear, fact, dear friends, I don't want the apostates in our church. I don't want the dissimulation in our church. I don't want the confusion in our church. I want people understanding the Word of God. Amen? Why? Because Jesus is coming back very soon. Well, let's look at the Jewish signs today. I told you we were going to look at the church, we were going to look at the world, and, and we're going to look at the Jewish signs. Uh, take your Bible and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. Luke, chapter 21 today. And I must hurry because I'm, I'm far behind. Luke, chapter 21. Let's look at verse 29. This is Jesus speaking. He says, And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know that, no, excuse me, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's reading verses 29 through 33. Now, what's he saying there? Well, the Lord compares the Jewish nation here to the fig tree. And he tells us that when the, trig fee, excuse me, when the fig tree begins to bud and bear fruit, that we're going to see the coming of our Lord coming back. Now, do you know for generations now that people have been coming back to Israel? Jews have been coming back to Israel? That's one of the reasons why there's actually a problem down on the West Bank because that people have been coming back to Israel and they've been trying to find places for them to live. And back in the, the 60s, I think it was, in the 70s, they began to move into apartment complexes that they built there and homes that they built there. And they would move in. And all of a sudden there began to be a confusion about whose land this was. And Palestine decided, well, it's our land. And Jews said, no, this is our land because God promised us this. And they were right about that. But then there's a confusion and then legal governments and things get in and of course the devil has a hold of it now and so here we have this sign from the Jews that the Lord is coming back very soon because all these Jews have been coming back they've been coming back to Israel why? it's their homeland it's their home I mean, you know, there, have y'all ever seen these uh, signs in people's homes that say, Home Sweet Home? H have y'all ever heard that slogan or that phrasing, There's no place like home? <laughs> you know? Well, I can tell you today, dear friends, there is no place like home. And the Jews know that. It's been instilled in them, and God's Spirit is leading them back. And so for, for now, since they became a nation, they have been flocking back to Israel. Jews from all parts of the world have been gathering so they can go home. Week by week, month by month, ship by ship, plane by plane, they've been coming back. Uh, I, I tell you, dear friends, they're coming back to the land that God promised to Abraham as he looked out and he said, all this is yours. All this is your people's. So we see that. We see these things happening. We see the, the time and the, the time frame happening. And so we know then that the Lord is coming back. And if the Lord is coming back, then we must have the right attitude about it. You and I today as Christians, we must have the right attitude about our Lord coming back. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Well, let me read to you again Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 through 28. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's speaking of Jesus Christ dying for our sins. And then he goes on, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. So because we all have to die, okay, and we all have to stand before the Lord, Christ stands before us. He is our mediator. He's our propitiation. He goes on. And he says, So Christ was once offered to bear sins of many, and unto them that look for him the second time shall he appear the second time without sin 
unto salvation. We need to be looking for him, amen? Now, I'm so glad today that as a boy, I grew up in a church and was privileged to hear preachers talking about the second coming. I was privileged to hear the people talk about the rapture of the church and how that, that we as Christians would, would get out of this world. Amen. And, and Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is the doctrine. This doctrine has become a vital part of the ministry of this church many, many years ago when this church was founded. In other words, one of the doctrines of this church, one of the standards of this church is that we believe in the rapture of the Christians. We believe in the rapture of the church. Amen? Amen. And if we believe in the rapture of the church, we must be looking for the rapture of the church. And one of the problems with our churches today is we're not looking for the rapture. I mentioned to you earlier, in the morning I get up and I look. At night when I go to bed, I look. I'm always looking. I, I shared with you here a few Wednesday nights ago, uh, I think it was, that uh, I look, you know. Throughout the day, I'm looking towards the eastern sky because I know the Lord is coming back in the east. And so I'm always looking towards the eastern sky when I see clouds coming and storms coming and, and all the winds and rains and snows and hails and tornadoes and all the weather that comes. I'm looking for Jesus. Every cloud that I see in the sky. You know how when we were little kids we look at a cloud and say, well, that looks like a lamb. Well, that looks like a dog. Well, that cloud looks like, I don't know, something else, you know, a mountain. I was coming down the mountain the other day, and I looked, and one looked just like, uh, uh, what was his name? Underdog. Y'all remember Underdog? Any, you older people probably do. <laughs> it looked just like Underdog, and I thought to myself, my goodness, Lord, what are you trying to tell me in that? And I thought to myself, wow, Lord, you're coming back very soon. You see, we need to be looking up, but I, I, I find that most people in our world today, they're walking like this. Oh, humdrum. I'm so tired of the world. I'm so tired of the things that's going on in the world. I just don't care anymore. And, and they're looking down. Or they're trying to blame somebody for all those things. Instead of looking up. Looking up unto Jesus. We are to look up unto Him. We're to be looking for Him and looking for His return. The Word of God tells us that. So... The number one thing that our church is supposed to be doing, and I try to do it, is, and I'm sure Pastor Hodge tried to do the very same thing, and the pastors before him tried to do the same thing, is we need to preach about his coming. Amen? Amen. Number one thing. We've got to preach salvation. As we preach salvation, we do that because our Lord is coming back. Amen. Titus chapter 2 and verses uh, uh, 13 through 15 talk to us about the fact that the Lord is coming back and how that we... Uh, need to do just like Titus did. Titus was a young preacher, and Titus preached about the fact that Jesus was coming back. Paul, the aged minister of the gospel, he writes uh, to his ministerial students and tells them, as young preachers, you need to look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he tells us in verse 15, he says, Speak ye, that's a command from God, to talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back. So we need to preach His coming. We need to look for His coming. Hebrews 9, 28, that we read a while ago, says, Unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We need to be looking for Jesus daily. I, I, I want to encourage you this week, every single day of this week, look towards the eastern sky. Amen? How many of y'all know where the east is? Five or six of you, okay. <laughs> you might be like my wife. My wife says she's directionally challenged. <laughs> Sometimes we go into a market, a, a store or something, we park a car and we go into this door and she has to look for certain things to remember to go out that same door. If not, she gets lost. <laughs> we'll come out the door and she'll say, now where do we park the car at? And you know, I, I'm getting that way a little bit myself. The other day we went in somewhere and uh, we came out, and I thought, now, where did I park the truck at? That was when I was still able to drive. 
And I thought to myself, where did we park the truck at? And I had to do that little beeper thing, you know, to find out where it was at. And about the same time I pushed mine, somebody else must have pushed theirs too because there was two going off at the same time. I thought, well, now I'm confused. <laughs> and then I saw the top of my truck, and I thought, well, there it is. And then I acted to Debbie like I did not, had not forgotten where it was parked at, you know. Well, we need to be looking. We need to be preaching it, looking about it, looking for it. But we also need to make sure that we're praying for it. Amen. Oh, dear friends, there is not a day that goes by that I don't pray for the Lord to come back. Now, I love, I love y'all. I do. I love this church. I love preaching here. I love pastoring here. I love this area. You know, I love my family. Uh, but I, I tell you, I'm looking forward to going home. Amen. You know, I, I, I'm like, uh, I think it was Squire Parsons that talks about the fact that I'm homesick for heaven, you know. I'm homesick for that land, that, that land so far away that yet to me today seems like it's much closer than it used to be. I'm longing for that. And I want to pray for that coming. I want to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, don't wait. Come on back. And then sometimes I feel a little selfish when I do that. Because I know there's still people that's lost in this world. And God reminds me that there's still a job to do. There's still a work to be accomplished, and I must work. He tells us work for the night is coming, doesn't he? And we, we don't have much more time yet to do that because he is coming back. And then, then something else, <clears throat> and this is really important. Not only do we need to pray for his coming and look for it and preach it, but we need to make sure that we love it. Amen? Amen. Are you in love with the fact that Jesus is coming back? I mean, really, are you in love with it? Man, I tell you what, I am looking forward to it. Because, and I don't know if Jesus will let me do this, but I just want to run up to him and hug his neck, you know. <laughs> you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what, you, what you've been doing for me all these years. Thank you for saving me, you know. Run and jump up in his arms and, you know, how, you, how a kid used to do with their parents. You say, well, he probably can't hold you, preacher. You're too heavy. <laughs> Well, if he's as big as the Bible says and he can put his feet on the world as a footstool, he's big enough to hold me, amen? <laughs> I know the little song that we sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. Well, I, I believe he does. I believe he does. We need to love it. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Oh, friends. We need to keep our faith, amen. amen. We need not only look for his coming, but we need to love his coming. Because he is coming back. Now, in first excuse me, in Second Timothy chapter four and verses seven through eight, there's a word there that he uses, a word for love. And there are two main thoughts about love in the Word of God. There's actually three, but there's two main ones. In the Greek, the word love is actually the word philio. And that word means to like you would love to eat something, or you love to sleep, or you love to come to church, or you love to take a nap, or something of that nature. Philio means something that I'm giving something towards that I really enjoy doing. Okay? So that's what philio means. But then there's the next love, which is what I've always called the God love. And it's agape. Okay? That's the Greek word for it. And that word for love, it means a deep yearning, a heart kind of love, a heart throb, you know, or a heartbeat type of love. And the word there in Timothy that we mentioned to you a few moments ago, verses 4 through 7, that word love there, it's a love that is deep in their souls and they're looking for his appearing. So we need to love the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to love the fact, and it needs to be a heartfelt feeling. It needs to be the understanding of that every time our heart beats, that we're, it's beating for the love of Jesus Christ. And then something else. These things that we have been talking about this morning, it ought to comfort us. 
As a child of God, knowing that Jesus Christ is coming back, it ought to bring comfort to our lives. Because I mentioned a while ago, our world's in a mess, isn't it? I mean, we're in all kinds of trouble. Our government's broke. They're broke because they overspend. They put money in places they shouldn't put money at. You know? How sad. But we need to be comforted by these thoughts. The thoughts that Jesus Christ is coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about eternity. That once we go home to be with the Lord, we're going to be with him for eternity. That's from here until the end of time. And who knows the end of time? Only God. Amen. Back when I was in high school, we talked about numbers, and we talked about infinite numbers. And as we talked about infinite numbers back in those days, I used to think about the fact of the Bible and the time frame that God has for us, the infinity of time. There is no end to it, not for us in heaven. But there is an end for us here on this world. There's an end. We're all either going to die or we're going to be caught up one day and either we're going to heaven when we're called up or either we're going to hell. Those that come out of the graves that have been saved are going to heaven. Those that come out of the graves that were lost and never accepted Jesus Christ, Christ will say, as I've said before, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I know you not. So I want to be comforted today, right? You want to be comforted. So if you're saved today, and you are looking for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me share with you some comforting words that Jesus Christ is coming back for you. Amen. No matter how bad this world is, no matter how ugly this world is, no matter how many apostates are in our churches and around us, no matter how many false teachers and preachers are around, listen, dear friend, Jesus is coming back one of these days, and he's going to take us home. Amen. And if I die before that time, I'm going to get to go first. Amen? You know? I'll get to go before you that are remaining on this world. That means I'm going to take that plane air flight before you get to take that plane air flight. Amen? Well, if that's the fact, then, dear friends, then you make sure that you're prepared for it. That's number six. You need to be prepared for his coming. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That means that when we stand before the Lord in heaven as Christians, we stand there, we're going to be just like him. We're going to have a body likened unto Christ, a body that could walk through walls, the body like Christ had when he ascended back into heaven, a body that is not kept by the, by the things of this world. Right now, uh, gravity holds us here, right? If, if we did not have gravity in this world, this great big huge magnet in the world that was holding us down, we'd all float away into the sky. Well, the Lord tells us that the body that we're going to get when we go home to be with Him is going to be that kind of body. Those bodies in the graves right now out here in this cemetery and the cemeteries around here, Christians and, and lost alike that were in those graves, but especially those Christians, when they rise out of that grave first, listen, dear friend, when they rise out of that grave, they'll receive that glorified body and rise up into the sky with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me share this with you also. When He comes the second time, this next time when He comes, He does not set foot on this earth at that time. He's riding on a cloud, dear friend. And we're going to meet him in the clouds and go home with him. But the next time he comes, oh, dear friends, look out, world. Because he's coming with a vengeance. He's coming with a sword. And he's going to slay those. And we hear that in the uh, Battle of Armageddon, there in the Valley of Megiddo, that the blood will run as deep as the bridles of the horses. A horse bridle is about this high. I'm talking about five feet at least. Five to six feet of blood in the valley. I've been to that valley. I've looked over that valley. It is huge. That's a lot of blood. Why is it so much blood, preacher? 
because so many people have discounted God and discounted his word and said that we do not believe it, that we do not believe he's coming back. And I can guarantee you, dear friends, they're false and they're liars and they do not know what they're talking about because he is coming back. And when he comes back, oh, what a sweet, sweet blessing it's going to be. When he comes back and takes us home, what a sweet, sweet thing it's going to be for us to go home to be with him. So, I want you to just suppose that Jesus were to come back this Monday night. Would you be embarrassed for him to come back at that time? What would you be doing at that moment? Would you be embarrassed for him to see you and catch you doing what you're doing? Would Christ be pleased with what you're doing at that moment? Think about it, friends. And then I want you to scan the skies because the promise is nigh. We're close, friends. And I want you to look for him today. I want you to look for him tomorrow. And I want you to look for him in the days that are ahead because our Lord and Savior is coming back very soon. The signs are here. Prophecy-wise, there's nothing else that needs to happen prophetically for the Lord to come back except for the trumpet call to be blown. Amen? That trumpet call, the world will not hear, but Christians will hear that trumpet call. Amen? Can you imagine what chaos will be in our world at that time when all of a sudden people start disappearing from our world? And they say, well, they were just here. I was just talking to them. Why didn't they pay their grocery bill? They were in line to pay their grocery bill. Where did that person go? I'm going to run out there in the parking lot and see if I can find them. And they run out in the parking lot and there's cars crashing everywhere. There's airplanes coming down. Because there are Christians that are gone, that are in all these different places, that no longer are there. And our world is going to be in chaos immediately. And confusion. But we won't be there because we'll be at home with him in heaven oh praise God praise God if you would please stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed today <clears throat> Father as we come before your throne of grace I thank you Lord I thank you for your truth today Father, may we never discount the fact that you're coming back. Father, may that be one of the main things of this ministry here in this church. To teach and to preach and to share the truth about it. And Father, may we have the greater understanding today than we did when we came in here as we leave this place. Father, your truth is most important to us today. And I ask you, Lord, now that you might take charge of everything that we say, everything that we do. Lord, that the things that have been said here this morning have spoken to the hearts of people, Lord. Maybe a person who's lost, they've never asked you to come into their heart. Lord, I've not tried to scare anyone today, but I'm trying to tell people the truth today that you're coming back. And Lord, if you come back and you find people that are not saved, they're going to be left. And Father, those that are saved, we must be about your business. We must be looking for you and we must be ready. We must be prepared. Father, I ask you to help me. Lord, help me to become stronger. Help me to become more faithful, Lord. Help this church to become more faithful. These, these members to become more faithful to you and this church. Lord, that we might honor you and lift you up even more. For Father, we do believe. We do believe you're coming back. Now, as heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, I ask Sister Crystal to, if she would begin playing. And as you think about what has been spoken to you today, listen to what God has to say to you. Listen to the truth. Listen to that understanding that only Jesus Christ can give you. 
If you're lost today, if you've never been saved, I ask you, please, please do not wait. Let this be the day of your salvation. Let this be the day that you come forward and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You say, preacher, I'm an adult. I don't want to be embarrassed. It doesn't matter, dear friends. I won't embarrass you, and the Lord really won't embarrass you. Just go ahead and come. Come and kneel at this altar. Take me by the hand and say, preacher, show me how to be saved. I'll show you, friend, if you'll just come. And then, Christian, maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, I've not been looking for the coming. I, I've not, it's really not been on my mind that much. Oh, dear friend, please make sure it's on your mind. Please make sure it's the number one thing on your mind. It's more important than work. It's more important than anything that you do in this world. Jesus Christ coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready, friend? If you would look this way, Sister Heather. We're going to sing one number, one stanza. If God has spoken to your heart, I'm asking you to come, friend. Listen to what God has to say to you. Don't leave this church without Jesus. Don't leave this church without making those decisions for the Lord that you need to make. Because honestly, friend, this may be your last time. This may be the last message I'll ever preach in this church. And if that's the fact, that's okay with me. Because I know I'll go home to be with the Lord. And I'm looking so forward to that. And I know some of you are too. But I know some of you probably hadn't thought about it much. Life gets in your way, I understand that. But let's push life away. And let's put the most important thing first, and that's Jesus Christ. And look for Him. Amen. What number, sister? 543. 543. 543. Get a book or look up the Praise the Lord. Isn't that good? Jesus, I come to thee. One of these days he's coming for us, and all we get to do is just say, Here I am, Lord. I'm ready. Take me on. Whew. Boy, I tell you what, I don't know if that does something to you. It does something to me. You know, if both my wings were all right this morning, I'd run around the church a little bit, you know. <laughs> Jump up and down. <laughs> uh, well, praise God. It's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, I thank him for his goodness. I thank him for his salvation today. If you're not saved, you know, I've tried not to embarrass anyone today, but if you're not saved, dear friend, please come speak to me sometime. I want to lead you to the Lord. I want you to know the joys of heaven. I want you to know the joys that and the peace that passes all understanding that only Jesus can give us. Amen? And we can have all that if we just trust in him. Praise the Lord. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Bill, would you dismiss us?